and I'm from Nunavut, Cambridge Bay, born in Cambridge Bay, but um, my family ties uh, began in Pond Inlet and then uh, to Resolute Bay when the government relocated my family in the 50s. And can you talk about what type of work you do? What What is your artistic practice consist of? Um, well, I'm really into sound and um, creating what I, I perceive as kind of reality in the form of sound. And does that carry over into your physical body as far as performance goes as well? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously. Does, it, does that affect your guitar when you play the guitar? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to say. No, no, I love it. I'm it like, means just... I like you if I'm teasing. <laughs> I know, it's like, uh, is my mouth part of my body? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it, it is, it's, it it's affects a lot. And I think that singers don't really comprehend uh, non-throat singers don't comprehend the difficulty because uh, traditional throat songs are three to five minutes for a reason, right? Like they're kind of, it's kind of tough. So doing it for an hour or over an hour sometimes can wipe you out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and when you step into um, coming up with a piece or like experiencing um, your creative process. Um, can you talk about what that's like for you? Does space matter? Do you need to be in a certain flow or headspace? No, not really. No, and the way the, improv- the, the improvisation that we're dealing with with the band, it's kind of really strange. It's like um, almost like all the music already exists, but we haven't actually made it yet. Like a... It, it's basically like you're running down a path and you can see the path in front of you, but no, you don't know where the path goes. Mm. So that's a good way to that. I'm slowly <laughs> figuring out how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way. And what, what, what's your band? Um, tell me about your band. What's, what's up with those people? <laughs> oh, well, uh, they're, they're the best people in the whole world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jesse Zubat, he plays uh, violin and viola, and he's from Menham in Saskatchewan, a tiny town of like 30 people, and he grew up farming. And Jean-Martin Jean is the drummer, and he's uh, he's more of a city boy, but uh, he's also just incredible. And it's strange, like there are, there are people that... I've never had to give any instruction to ever once in like, you know, eight years, seven years touring. I've never once had to say, oh, will you play this or do this? I've never once told them what to do. I've never once had to kind of feel it's it's like the three of us are doing something together. I don't have to feel like the boss or or boss people around, which I hate. I don't like controlling other people. I find it really boring. And especially when people try to control me, I'm like, ah, what's wrong with you? You know? 
what's your problem that you gotta control? Try to control me. Jeez, boring. Like, <laughs> totally. Like yeah, so yeah, the the boys are just um not only are they really chill out chilled out people, but you know, they get on stage and they're just monsters. So it's we we propel each other in a really beautiful way. And they're super relaxed people like we don't we never fight on the road or have any problems or like nothing it's crazy after all these years the only side effect though of hanging out with them for so long is I grew up with brothers and I was already kind of butch so like now (laughs) like it's it'll be like stage in 10 minutes and I'll be like ah I haven't put on any makeup or gotten dressed yet and they're like ah it's okay (laughs) (laughs) and it literally takes me 10 minutes to get ready now and they're um I've kind of adopted their darker humor in a in a lot of ways like so we we like we're not I they're really the nicest people I've ever met but the way that we have started joking it's it you wouldn't know it hard to explain oh that's good though that that razzing is so important to keep stuff real well the thing is none of us would like Ever, like even want to kill a mouse if we did not like a fly if we didn't have to we're all three of us are so passive and harmless but we we all kind of have these big barks and it's really funny <laughs> like, so do you guys come up with the um with the music that you're currently making together is it a collaborative process oh yeah yeah I like I said I don't um I've never worked with uh anyone that I really told what to do Mm. so it's I like uh, I collaborate with people because I want their input I don't collaborate with people uh, so they can execute my vision because I I, you know it's it's who they are it's like you don't have sex with somebody because you want to get off you know like in the way (laughs) you want to get off like you have sex with someone so you can enjoy the other person and be be in it together and that's kind of how I feel like I've gotten more and more um I get right snarky now when I'm forced to play with people I don't want to play with it feels like really violating Mm. these days so I guess I'm just becoming chaste and uh, more monogamous with age musically (laughs) (laughs) as is as what uh, tends to happen you know (laughs) so what if you're cute I won't make music with you (laughs) it's good to protect yourself you know Um, I can only imagine it because you are um, from what I know of your music and your career trajectory you are um, you are in a very public space right now and maybe how do you protect yourself and keep yourself safe I just lean on a lot of my older friends and I also tend to be scrutinizing like um because I was born and raised in a really small town in Nunavut and it, I don't know we didn't really care how much anyone made or you know what they even what they looked like it was more like if they're a jerk you don't want to be around them and <laughs> I'm not foolish enough to think that just because I make some music it doesn't make me a good person mm. it just makes me someone who can make some sound and I don't apply that on a day-to-day basis like if I want to feel like a good person I do good things for myself and other people and I just have to be 
scrutinizing sometimes because there now are a bunch of people who seem to like me or attribute any sort of uh, musical prowess with positive personality traits. And I have to kind of work against that to make sure that I never lose sight of the fact that, you know, those people don't know my bad side or they don't know anything about what except what they've projected from the music, which is amazing. Mm. But I just kind of, I almost kind of wish people would, there's always a big difference. I know this sounds really funny because like whenever I play, (laughs) whenever I play like, like at a at a place where it's like all down with brown <laughs> people are like people come up and be like hey good job over it on and that's like that's that's enough like I, that's what I like you know there's I don't like it when people come up and freak out and have to like want to have a 50 minute conversation and and like just kind of force me to be put on so I, I understand like it's really cute I have a just the teeniest level of fame, but I can't like you know when I've been around really famous people, it's like, yeah, that can be exhausting. Like I don't think fans understand that it can be really tiring when you're you know when you're low, like your energy's low, mm. um, and you have to keep giving. Like you're forced into keeping giving, and that's that's where you have to take care of yourself the most because people don't mean to be taking. But they are, and they may, no matter how enthusiastic they are about the music, it's still giving them your energy and them, even them telling you stories. And I'm not joking. I got cornered by this woman, like talking about how she had to house sit all her cats. And, you know, I'm sick <laughs> and I'm just, I've just done the show and I'm sick. And like any time that you slip up and are in a bad mood or you meet a person you don't like and you want to get away from them, like all that gets like blown up on social media. And next thing you know, you're projected as an asshole. And I like, I, I've been seeing watch. I've been watching, like, I don't like Justin Bieber, but I've been watching <laughs> some of the things that's happening. Like he's been saying, look, I'm really drained. I really need a rest. And everyone's kind of writing articles saying, well, what an ingrate, like you're a billionaire. What are you talking about? And it's like, well, no, if you can't, like I've been with people where you they can't ever walk down the street or go into any restaurant in the whole world ever. And that's isolating mm. and terrifying. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I've seen it. You don't want that, man. Like, I don't know why people keep thinking that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> It's like because it doesn't it doesn't feel good after a while. It doesn't feel like people are giving. It feels like people are taking. But if you like I said, if you're around the right people, they're just like so chill about it. And then you feel a awesome little bit of energy from them. Or someone will come and be like, "Here, I made a little thing for you." You know, knowing that there's 50 people in lineup and you have to talk to all of them and you just did a long show and you might not feel like it. You know, so they'll come with a little gift or be like, can I give you a shoulder rub? And of course, I <laughs> don't say that the boys aren't allowed. Like, I don't want some weird dude massaging me. But like, but, but like if it's a nice uh, RMT, you know, and they mm. offer and I, I'm thankful I'll take back and that feels good. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh.
artist and mother, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you balance being so in the world in this one way and then um, focusing back into your family? Um, there's no balance there. I'm a mom. Like, like, fuck my career. I don't care. (laughs) Yes, totally. Seriously. It's like, I put my kids first all the time. Like it's, and I'm away a lot, but like, I, like there was one time I took both of them on the road for a full two and a half months, you know? So like, sometimes it's good for like, they're, they're, uh, the priority at all times. Like if they're getting antsy at home and missing me, I take them. If they're getting sick of the road, I leave them. It's just always what they want first or what's best for them first, always. And there's like, I'm with a amazing management team right now. Like if my kids are sick, they're okay. Canceling the shows. Like Mm. I'm allowed to put my children first. I'm with a like female company and it just, I can't believe the difference it makes. Like this industry is really crazy. Like, it's one of the only industries where people don't care. Like they don't mean to not care about your well-being, but <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you have a slipped disc in your lower vertebrae and you can't move. Well, too bad. The, you know, the gig's booked and, oh, you, you're, you've got a double kidney infection. Well, you better finish the tour. Like there's just a whole bunch of that kind of stuff going on. And it's the presenters, right? Like they, it's not their fault, but there needs to be a better system in place to protect us when we are like mentally or physically or spiritually drawn, like, mm. and yeah, I, I do go about ways of taking care of myself and refilling. And the number one thing is hanging out with my kids. Like they're just little sparks of love. Like, what are you going to do? Like pour <laughs> love into me. And I'm like, okay, I'll take all of the love. <laughs> and I feel better. You know, it's not a, not a mystery. <laughs> And so, I, you know what is so weird to me? Like, seeing people that see their children as work really freaks me out. It's like, it's not your job. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, it's annoying because they're uh, demanding forever. But it's not, I don't see it as work at all. It's just life. Like, mm. you wouldn't be like, oh, this breathing, it's such work. I wish I had an iron lung because then I wouldn't have to put all the energy into this breathing thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> oh, totally. And I love how you talked about it. They're like wellsprings of love, you know, that that they can refill us in that way as long as we remember that. It can it can just like ripple into all of our work in that way. Well, the thing is I get I get my anger and all my aggression kind of out on stage and I'm t- like I'm typically very passive like like I said I got a big bark but like someone could probably be punching me in the face and I really wouldn't do anything, you know, like, well, unless they cross the line, someone messes with my kids and someone's going to die. But, <laughs> but other than that, other than that, like, I'm pretty good to kind of take on and like sacrifice my well-being a little bit. Like when I post things for the greater good, knowing that I'm going to get abuse or knowing that it's going to have bad uh, repercussions. I just kind of steal myself for it and focus on like really great food, nice bottle of wine, like cuddling with my kids, like stupid comedies, weird Al Yankovic. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter what's happening online. You put on weird Al and you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) I can't care that vegan from 
Cal- you know, California thinks that we should starve to death. I just can't because Weird Al's on. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's that. And also a good recharging thing is like shutting off the Internet. Because uh, like as a musician, a lot of even our funding, like a uh, funding bodies will ask how many followers you have. So a lot of people don't understand that. They're on there for recreation purposes, mm. but I go on for my work and I have become like strangely addicted to it. And I wonder how long it is before somebody discusses that being an addiction and like how it's affecting our society. Because it wasn't like when I was in the 80s uh, and early 90s, I used to really be into Tetris and I remember dreaming with Tetris and the Tetris music. <laughs> and then the other day, no, not the other day, probably three or four weeks ago, like I had a dream about Facebook and I was like, okay, I'm putting that shit down for a little while. Like, and it was an awesome dream. It was stupid, but it was like, okay, this is too much a part of my life. And I started just kind of putting my phone by the door in a bowl and I typically, how I how I balance it is if I'm on a long car ride or I'm really missing my kids on tour, I'll be on it a lot. Mm. If my kids are on tour with me, I'm not really on it. And when I'm home, I'm not really on it as much. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And do you have any way um, that your um, management or anybody can navigate that for you to, to set you free from it? They help. They they help in every perfect and possible way. They keep the violent people off and they kind of work the situation and put out information. But the thing is about social media is it's not about, oh, where is Tanya Tugak playing? It's like, well, who is she? Uh-huh. You know, like and, and it's like the opinions are mine. And, you know, like when you are so specific in your uh, upbringing, I wouldn't have like anyone else posting opinions like they wouldn't they wouldn't and they wouldn't want to be like pretending to be some me yeah you know yeah no totally totally to be a respondent for the hashtag call response project what was your initial reaction to the project well I just I'm excited to do anything with Lakalip to be honest I like to be perfectly honest all mm. which it's just and now people are gonna know that and maybe shouldn't have said anything <laughs> <laughs> I just like we'll, I want we'll do anything for her like it's whatever she wants me to do I'll just do it 
<laughs> and, and I really like her. You know, I respect her. Mm, and you and Lakaluk are um, one of the only artist respondent pairings in this whole group that have actually worked together before and have a, a history of collaboration. Um, and how have your practices aligned in past projects and what maybe is that background story? Well, that's what's really interesting is because I've, I'd known of Lakaluk. Um, but never quite knew the extent of what she did with her performance. I'd never seen her mask dancing. I had heard of it, and I'd never seen it. I'd heard her name, uh, know she was a storyteller, but never really un- like understood the magnitude of it or saw her perform. That I recall, like I don't know, I might have been somewhere somehow. But when you travel this much, it's really, really difficult to nail everything down. Um, like, I quit caring when I don't know someone's name. It's like, well, if you're going to be upset, it's like, I've met, like, 60 people this week. Like, I can't. I can't. Can I just call you Sarah forever? Like, boy or girl? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but Lakaluk, um, I was approached by the Kronos Quartet to do a project with uh, where I do improvised throat singing on it, on this composition by Derek Chark Mm -hmm. and he kind of showed up with this amazing story by Lakaluk and it was so incredible like I just couldn't believe it and uh, they asked me if I wanted to rewrite anything and I was like no 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 it's uh, perfect the way it is exactly the way it is it's told perfectly and uh, I checked to make sure that Lakaluk was okay with it and I I could have messaged her this is what makes me upset is like I kind of just assumed that if you're working with this level of composer and company and situation that everything would be covered, right? Mm. And then uh, the CD released, and, like, I made sure Lakaluk's name was on the CD cover. Like, I was so excited to have, like, worked, done her work, you know? And and I, of course, assumed that, um, like, when Derek went up there and collected the piece, that he had completely been transparent with her. Anyway, I get this message from her, and she's like, "What the fuck? You're telling my whole story in the ex- in my exact words. Like, what's wrong with you?" And I was just like, oh, "Like, I." It was like getting stabbed in the heart, you know, because mm. I. And then I, that taught me a very, very important thing. You cover your own bases. Never, never assume that someone else has your bases covered for you. Because, like, to have inadvertently hurt someone I respected so much as an artist was really a hard pill to swallow. And we spent a long time messaging each other back and forth. And I I just was sick to my stomach, right? And it just looked so bad because I previously made mistakes like that. Like when I was releasing my first CD, like my grandmother uh, was where all the song comes from our family. She, she was always singing and she was a very, very generous woman. Like it never crossed my mind that people would be possessive over, um, a song or something they created. Like I love to share my stuff and it's all a learning process. Like I was like, just anyone use myself anytime. And then some asshole made a racist film of mine. I was like, okay, not everyone. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) Fuck you. You know, like you don't get to, you know, so it's, and then realizing that I had hurt Lakaluk 
we ca- I contacted her and I was like, well, maybe, maybe we can, I'll make it up to you. I wanted to quit the uh, Kronos. I didn't want to uh, perform that piece with Kronos anymore. I just felt so tainted. And we re-recorded her voice to play as opposed to me telling the story, which was a little better. And we performed that once. But then we basically dropped the piece and I decided to hire Lakaluk just to kind of create amends. Mm. And then she shows up in Toronto and we've never performed together. <laughs> never. I'd never seen what she did and we'd never, never performed together before. And like shit just hit the fan. <laughs> like shit hit the fan so hard. And she was just like, we were both men. We were both women. We were both terrifying. And I, one was, you know, we would go back and forth between like lover and fighter and we were fighting and loving and la la la. And it just like became very sexual and then became very terrifying and everything just balanced each other perfectly. And to be honest, I have never, ever, ever, ever once performed with somebody that was more like me, <laughs> like ever. Wow. And uh, so we're now... We took that negativity and uh, put it into something positive. And I'm hiring her whenever I have the opportunity because she's just like the strongest, strongest woman. Like it takes a lot for me to feel comfortable to totally lean on someone. Mm. And she's just like this pillar. You know, it's like, oh, no, I could like, you know, the trust game. It's like, yeah, she could be juggling five kids and I'd still fall backwards. You know, like she's just that kind of solid woman. And it really caused um, a lot of positivity, that one mistake. And because of that thing also happening, like Kronos uh, Quartet also hired me to compose a piece on my own, which was very, very nice. So wow. like, and, and, and Derek Shark felt terrible. It's not like he purposely did that either, but it was irresponsible. So have you composed that song already? Yeah, yeah. It's being performed in a couple of weeks. <sighs> yeah, and I can't even read music or write it. That's so, it's so bad. <laughs> So uh, uh, David Harrington was so awesome. We showed up in San Francisco and I was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, there's, it's a quartet. Um, sing for four lines of music or like, you know, one on top of the other. And then he had it notated. Mm. And so they're going to practice it. I'm really excited about it. But yeah, like uh, it's just the beginning for Lakaluk and I, like, I just want to work with her as much as I can. Like the prices for getting someone down from Nunavut are, it's crazy. Like, but I, I would work with her every show if I had the opportunity. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible that this project, you guys get to kind of come back together. I'm excited hmm. to see what, what you all are going to come up with. Do you have, have you talked about that or has it just been the initial connection? I'm really bad at that. Like I, I do, I'll go, I'll just come up and be a freak show. Like that's, <laughs> like that's pretty much uh, what happens on my end of the planning. Like I'll just come be a grunt, grunt a little bit and then go away. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm really bad. Like. It's, I'm, it must be so annoying working with me. Like the the number of times that uh, it's really funny. The number of times that people have been so stressed out because things weren't planned, and then totally happy with the outcome. Like I just, it's like I can I can do it my way, and I do like to collaborate on some things. But I think with Lakaluk, it's so organic that uh, no matter what we come up with anyway it's gonna be hitting the nail on the head so I'm perfectly 
perfectly confident. Awesome. So (laughs) how do you interpret reconciliation? Well, that kind of, that's something that broad is, it's like, well, what do you think about racism? It's like, okay, you can write a thesis on that, you know, like reconciliation is a huge word, but I think, um, my priority in every circumstance, it's like, you know, say if someone's bleeding out, like you got to stop the wound, like uh, damage control is the first step in saving someone's life. And like, uh, basically we're at damage control level when it comes to intergenerational trauma and mm. uh, relationship with the government. So it's like pretty urgent. I think it's a something that we have to like focus on immediately and yeah, the, the immediacy of that uh, kind of overrides any other kind of theorizing for me. Like, I can't get past the, yeah, but they're bleeding out. You know, like, I, like other people are like, well, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm just like, no, like, can, we, can we just do that first? And then, you know, and I, you know, each to their own, right? Like, I'm not telling anyone how to think or be, but like, it's, that's kind of where I come from. Mm. And do you think that art and performance perhaps as well can be a form of a suture for that wound, you know? It's ridiculous for people to think otherwise. Like, why do you think that when a government overtakes a country, they destroy the art? Because it's the only uh, non... You you can't censor art artists and the people going through what's happening. Like if you study art history, you study history. You don't study the like media's interpretation or the government in powers, you know, kind of interpretation of current events. And uh, that's I didn't realize like it was 2001 when I realized the power of the media and um because I was my first concert I did with Bjork was in Stuttgart on 9-11, mm. right? And we were overseas and we had the European version of what that happened. And we flew like two days later to New York and the media was like 100% different. It wasn't, it wasn't objective in any way whatsoever. And then also like looking at the history of the United States and it's, the, the kind of way that every single person like or p- group of people tends to see things in such a closed way and it kind of freaks me out. So like uh, when it comes to social change, like I think that what happens is uh, socialization is one of the basic needs of human humans have or, or animals is uh, unless they're, you know, animals that stay alone a lot, but like uh, especially pack animals or any group of humans. Like if you study culture, people will behave according to what is socially accepted. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, right now to make a big shift in collective social change, which will bully the government into doing something, that means that we need people making a lot of noise so that all the compassionate, intelligent, amazing Canadians can go, yeah, that sucks, instead of instead of uh, people um, having information hidden from them from the government because they don't, they're the perpetrators. It's like, you ask me if I stole that can of milk from the store and I said, no, I would never do that. And I'm drinking the can of milk. It's like, you know, you can't, like, you can't, don't ask the person. <laughs> so that's the thing. You can't trust the information that's been put out there. So 
I don't know. I just think that it's pretty important for artists to make a difference. And, and well, don't get me wrong. I'm really into artists that um, make stuff for themselves and that make peaceful stuff and beautiful stuff. Like this is the thing I have difficulty with interviews sometimes. Like it's, it comes across in the interview, like I'm telling everyone how to live. <laughs> and I've always despised that. Like I'll, I'll uh, read the interview later or if I, if I cap happen to come across it and I'll go, darn, it sounds like I'm like, you know, just yelling and preaching, but really look, you're talking to me. Like <laughs> I, like I'll usually say things laughing, like, and, pe- and then it comes across on the interview as like on text oh, like, freaking out. And I'm never freaking out. Like I might, I might be giggling and get enthusiastic or I might like, if I'm, I might be making fun of my powerlessness by articulating things in kind of aggravating ways but it's like really not (laughs) not that way like I don't uh don't wish I wouldn't wish harm on a single human being well no that's a lie (laughs) that's a dirty dirty lie but uh (laughs) but but I wouldn't uh want uh bad things to happen to people that uh didn't have to be uh removed out of a population because they've really hurt children or like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 Serious, <laughs> things, serious things. Of course it's like, yeah, die. You know, like, but, but on a day-to-day thing, it's like, yeah, you, you really are super mad that I eat a seal and you tell me to kill myself. It's like, Oh yeah. Like you, you really suck. You know, like I'm never, I'm not over here. Like ah, I saw a guy on the internet. Like I'll just be like, Oh man, what an asshole. Like it sucks to be you. Your, your life sucks. If you have to talk like that, you know, like it's, there's such, there's such a, a discrepancy between a public the way the public filters or the government filters and what's actually occurring. So it's, that's, that's a very interesting facet of uh, study for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And using art and performance to kind of have that human experience of like you were saying, like getting out on stage and like, that's where your rage is. Like having that as an outlet must be so important. Well, it's it's not just rage though it's kind of everything and it kind of depends on the night but the thing that usually the thing that i find most satisfying is considering the stereotypes surrounding what inuit people are or whoever like uh my favorite is when when someone shows up going oh there's gonna be a little eskimo throat singer and i'm gonna go be charmed by the little eskimo who's gonna be really nice and it's gonna be so charming and ethnic yeah and then they sit down, <laughs> and, they sit down and then like within 15 minutes they're getting up like we are out of here and <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because the the inability to see someone as from a certain race as an individual is what bothers me. Mm. And I see it across the board. Like um, I heard someone be like, oh, black people do really talk like that. And I was like, well, the president of the United States is black and there's people. Yeah, there are people that, you know, speak in different accents according to, you know, geographical areas and like, you know, money, money or education. It's like it's not black people, blah, blah, blah. It's like that black person, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. like this, you know, blah, 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 as an individual, as opposed to like what people expect 
you to be. And uh, it's just really interesting. would you give to yourself the artist um perhaps 10 years ago the artist that you were perhaps 10 years ago what advice would you give to yourself um when when somebody is um being violent or aggressive or vile towards you that's not to do with you that's to do with what they're carrying themselves and when I and when someone's giving you love, it's all to do with you. You're so awesome. <laughs> like I could have, I could have been a lot happier if I would have started ignoring my critics a long time ago. Like people telling me what to do, people telling me what I was doing was wrong because I've always known in my heart that what I'm doing is so genuine and in uh steeped in my culture and my individuality and who I am and it's totally authentic and coming from a really 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 grounded place and I know that now and uh, um when I was getting uh critiqued from people within my own community saying I was like bastardizing throat singing and then I kind of realized as I got older that yeah throat singing was banned and then it was kind of like tamed a little bit and like the, there's a generation of like highly Christianized people that have affected a lot of what's going on and that in conjunction with the shift of uh you know those generations of residential school where we lost so much and uh, and and how uh, adhering to what being a proper Inuk is isn't really applicable if you're expressing yourself. Like, yeah, there are principles, and um, I cross those principles all the time. Like, my dad's English. I'm also not a proper English woman. Like, what? no one would put that on me. You're not acting English enough. No one would fucking say that. How come, you, how come like, like, you know, like, it's... And it's it's the kind of crab in the bucket kind of pulling each other down thing. And I used to let it hurt me. And in, what I do this time is uh, whenever anyone sends me anything bad, I'll, like, pour some love into someone really amazing and uh, collect that and pay attention to that. And, like, like, if you're – if I would rather be a bee than a fly, you know? <laughs> 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 that's a good one <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Uh, what advice has influenced you? Is there like a person who said something once that resonated with you, a story or a anything that's kind of stuck with you along your path that you could share? Oh, it's, it's over overwhelmingly. That's a huge, 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 like it's the amount of help and love I've gotten in my journey from everywhere all around and the amount of goodness that people have just thrown at me it like indiscriminately like the the goodness that has have come and the wisdom that has come from collaborating and meeting people and meeting artists and traveling and like it's you know and of course like working with people and meeting people like Buffy St. Marie or Bjork or like these these people that are they could be assholes, but they're not, <laughs> you know, like it's, you, you kind of, and the chronos are there like that. Like I just meet a lot of people that have the power to be a jerk and they don't. And then it really makes, it makes a big difference when you meet that person that has no power, but is trying to exert as much power as possible. Like, it's almost like the more power you truly have, the less, you ever need to use it mm. you know it's like Buffy St. Marie is like black belt of awesome you know like <laughs> she's like yeah I don't need to use this black belt of awesome but I'll take you out with awesome if I have to you know like it's <laughs> you know so what can you do like you gotta just like learn beautiful things from beautiful people and kind of just try your best to feel empathy to people that are in a, in a place where they're not happy with themselves or they're hurting. Like you, like when you're in grade three and you're getting picked on by the bullies, like you don't, I, you know, it's later when you're older, you're like, you realize the home that that bully came from. There's a reason that's happening. And for some reason we forget that when we're adults, we're like, Oh, that person's probably having a really hard time. Hmm. And we forget that we take it personally on our ego and it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, that's a very important thing to remember is that mm -hmm. that historical trauma in this life and then in all the lives that came before to create this life. There's a mm -hmm. lot of shit to work through. Yep. And it's part of it. It's part of it. It's natural. Mm. So this is your soapbox moment right now. If you could say one thing to the world using this as your platform, what would it be? Still, fuck Peta. Like, still. <laughs> like, <laughs> stay fuck Peta until Peta's fucked. <laughs> ah. See, and that's the thing that goes in, like, I say it like that, and that's the thing that goes into the headline of, like, supposedly me screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not